Welcome to the Abundant Leap Podcast. I'm your host, Chance Welton. I'm a speaker, consultant, and thought leader here at Abundance.io. In this podcast, you'll discover your strengths, find turnkey business models, and get expert guidance for life's biggest financial moments, where we have trained and consulted over 35,000 entrepreneurs on how to start their first online business, and we've helped existing business owners start their second and third stream of income. You can learn more at Abundance.io, and of course, check us out on Apple Podcasts and Spotify at the Abundant Leap Podcast. All right, guys, welcome back to the show. Welcome back to the Abundance.io podcast. I have my good friend James Maslow here. So good to see you, my friend. Thanks for coming out. Hey, you too, man. It's a pleasure. You happen to be right in my neighborhood. We're both in Miami, so it worked out quite well. It's first time here. It's absolutely beautiful. I see why you made the jump, uh, you know, growing up in L- or not growing up, but spending a lot of time in LA. You were yeah. also there as well. It seems like we've had a lot of like similar paths, and now we're sitting here on, on the podcast. Yeah, man. No, I'm digging it. I've only been here for about a month, and I've been traveling for three weeks of that. So Loving it so far. It's been a solid week, let's say, living here. <laughs> fantastic. Fantastic. So here on the podcast, we talk about how to help people create an abundant lifestyle mentally, physically, financially, spiritually, and even in your world of like art. Like you've had so much abundance in art. You've had your your band for so long. You have acting, your solo career, your DJing as well. I mean, it just seems like you have so much abundance of creativity and it's really shaped a really inspiring life. And I'm so glad that we're sitting here and talking about it. So let's go back to the beginning of when you were really kind of getting into this and really getting into music. Was was music always a thing for you or were you like kind of soul searching? Were you trying acting in the beginning? Were you into business? Like what was really kind of your start um, when you were younger? I mean, I think it's a little bit of the classic story of I was literally singing in the showers and in the bathroom and just walking around randomly. And so um, I didn't grow up really with my mom, grew up with my dad and my bro. But one thing I will always be grateful for is that she just signed me up for the San Diego Children's Choir when I was, I think I was six years old. I was very young. And I hated it, to be clear, for the first couple oh, of weeks. Sure. I'm like, what is it? You know, I was like surfing and skating, just like a little bro at the time. And then I went into sit in these little, literal choir pews. And I was just like, this kind of sucks. Until about two weeks in, you know, I had to go, I think it was a few times a week. And a couple of weeks in, I had a bit of an epiphany of just like, wow, this is actually pretty cool. Like these people around me doing this weird thing, are really good, they're better than I am. And then it got me excited, like, okay, I've been doing this thing just for fun, but now I'm actually have this ability to learn. And mind you, I'm six years old, I'm very young. Yeah. But about two weeks in, it completely switched for me. It changed from, man, this is lame to, I'm learning this really cool thing and I'm getting better and I'm surrounded by other people who are better than me and I wanna be better than them. So um, that was really cool. That's really how I got into it at a very young age. And then, I guess the next big step for me getting into entertainment was uh, I had a Spanish tutor because I had the worst Spanish teacher in the world in the eighth grade. I mean, went in there. I didn't know a lick of Spanish. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm supposed to be learning. It's like Spanish 101. And from the get-go, just spoke in Spanish. Mind you, it's San Diego, so there's a lot of um, Spanish speakers there, like native Spanish speakers, and that's great. But she didn't teach me anything. Right. (laughs) So the only tutor I've ever had happened to work at this performing arts school. So again, a silver lining of that class is I met I met this tutor who was a teacher at the San Diego School of Creative and Performing Arts. And through her, went, saw a performance of, I think it was Bye Bye Birdie. And again, just never thought that I would be into musical theater. It wasn't cool to me until I went and saw this performance. I was like, holy shit, these guys are so talented. Yeah. It changed my perspective. And then I wanted nothing more than to go and learn how to do what these, these kids were doing. 
That's so yeah. cool and so good on your mom for just like giving you experience. It's like, just try this, just try this, just try this. Cause I feel like so many parents just want to say, you know, put their kids into one lane and say, no, you're only going to be learning about this and you're going to become a farmer and you're only going to become yeah. a dentist or you're only going to And really it's when our, our parents give us experiences when we really kind of find our true self. And I, and I just, that's so awesome that your mom did that. Just like putting out there and saying, Hey, yeah. try it. If not, you know, it sounds like, you know, very supportive. I don't know if I would have had a choice with her, but my dad for the next, you know, many years of my life raising us did exactly that, where he would allow my brother and I to kind of try whatever we wanted to, you know, within reason, within our means, right. as long as we had a justification or a reason behind it. He made us think a little bit, you know, if I was going to stop playing basketball to go and, and go to horseback riding camp, which I did. And then I fell in love with it and did that for years. I had to kind of justify why. And so he'd make me think about that. I'd go and basically talk to him about it. And then he would be like, all right, let's give it a shot. So yeah, I think you're absolutely right. Uh, I'm not a parent yet, but I'd like to think one day I will be. And that's something that I very much may take from my dad. Um, and I guess in some ways my mom and try and replicate, give my kids the opportunity to do all sorts of things until you find that what's really they're passionate about. So yeah, that's, that's how I got into entertaining. Very, very exciting. So from that moment, then at that point, did you just start going all in on singing or did you start picking on musical instruments or did you kind of dabble in other things? Were you interested in business? Were you still interested in sports? Like when did that click where you like, you know what? this is going to be my thing and I need to like go all in. Like, was there a moment when that happened or, or, or a couple of events that, ha that had to take place? Yeah, I mean, it was, so it was the eighth grade. I went to this performing arts school and I don't know if it was an exact moment where it clicked, but as I started getting into, I was, you know, I majored in musical theater and so I had to learn how to dance, which I had no experience beforehand really. Wasn't necessarily that coordinated, but I am so grateful that I had to go through those classes because ultimately I got better. And now right. dance has been a huge part of my life from being in a boy band to being on Dancing with the Stars. So the lessons just kind of keep coming back and the gratitude keeps presenting itself because had I not kind of been forced to do that, I wouldn't be as competent in my job today. And so I think as I kind of went through jazz, tap, ballet, and then went through musical theater and singing and coaching and then acting, just found myself being competitive, much like I was in sports before that, going, all right, how do I get better? How do I get better? How do I learn that move? How do I hit this note? And it was throughout that process, I was like, you know what? I love this. I'm enjoying it. I'm pretty good at it. And I think I can be great at it. That I decided I'm going to make this my living. Didn't know quite how yet, but I knew that I wanted to entertain for a living. Well, you knew it. You saw the end goal. And that is when you listen to a lot of successful people, whether they're in business or personal speaking or acting, whatever it may be, they see the end goal and the successful people understand and say, okay, now if I want to get there, now I'm going to start reverse engineering it backwards. Yeah. Right. Because now there's the goal, you know where the end goal is, right? Sure. So many people will say, oh, set these little goals out in front of them. And yes, they may attain them, but then they never have the, the vision, the drive. They don't know how to plug in the right people to yeah. get them there. Absolutely. So it's really cool that you experienced that at a young age. So, okay, this is what I'm doing. Um, so at that point when you're like, okay, I'm going. So you started at six. And now what age are you now that you're starting to like really commit yourself to this process? What's eighth grade? Is that about 12? Something like that. It was a while back. But, yeah. 12-ish. <laughs> uh, yeah, it was, around, it was around then. And, you know, I still had my own social circle outside of the school. Uh, I still surfed, still skated. So I had other things that were hobbies. But I think, you know, like you said, I think it was unintentional at that time where I did have that goal and started working backwards. It's something I only really realized later, you know, 
positive projection and manifestation, that is real. If you told me that at 12 years old, I'd probably be like, okay, whatever. That's some, some hippy dippy stuff that doesn't work. Totally disagree. The older I get, the more I realize how incredibly true that is. The energy you put out in the universe, the mission you put out in the universe, the goal that you put out there. I mean, the world is going to conspire to make it happen for you. The more you focus on it, believe in it yourself. And then, of course, work hard to get there. So I don't think I really quite understood it then. But yes, that's part of the reason I think that a lot of things fell into place for me because I was focusing on it every single day. I love that you say that because, you know, now being a father, like kids remind us so much about the magic in life where we get brainwashed out of it. Yeah. Right. Manifestation is just dreaming and playing make believe and like, you know, visualizing what you want to be. Right. Yeah. And then everybody, you know, slowly starts dying after, you know, 18 and they get in the real world and they slowly it's like start to start letting yeah. those things go. And then later on in our lives, we're talking about manifestation and dreaming. And it's like, wait a second, I used to do that. Yeah. <laughs> we have to reteach ourselves 100%. about how to really reach for our dreams. And that's really the, the whole mission with abundance is like, it's never too late to create abundance in your life, whether that is mentally, physically, emotionally, time-wise, like whatever that is for you, abundance means a lot of things to a lot of people, but it's never too late yeah. to like fall back into that magical like, you know, baby state essentially yeah. of well, think dreaming. People and feel like, well, now I'm an adult. I have to be responsible and I can't act kitty. And I think that's, that's a wrong, the, the wrong mentality. It is frankly, because, you know, just focus on one of those. I mean, even, even physically, I read Aubrey Marcus's book, Own the Day. I'm not sure if you had a chance, but I'm not, no. he described exercise as playtime. He's like, when did we start making this a chore? Mm -hmm. You know, and that's why he's big on kettlebells and maces. And I've really incorporated a lot of that into my training now. Cause yeah, sometimes I don't want to go and just do a back squat for 10 sets of 10 and that can be boring. So on those days I go and I play and I make it like a dance and I throw a kettlebell around and I go swimming and I go surfing. And like you find a way to make it feel like playtime. And I think that if you can start thinking about any way, any, any vertical in your life that you want to grow, anything you want to expand and we want to have more abundance. Think of it like a kid, you know, yeah. imagine the wildest thing. Your goal probably isn't big enough. Make it bigger, make it wilder. Because then even if you get halfway, you're going to go a lot further than if it was just three feet in, you know, in front of you. Definitely. And that is the thing. And that's the same way that I work out surfing, skiing, rock climbing, mountain biking. I'd never been the one that wanted to go and again, make another chore because what gives me energy, what gives me life is to go have fun Yeah. and to be around the people that I love being around and, and building the business that I love doing because then I'm having fun every day. Yeah. And that's what's so, like, this is so much fun. I love sitting down with amazing people like yourself and really just being able to dive in and, and, you know, connect and talk about these magical things that have really formed us to become the people that we are today. Uh, and it's just such a good reminder. It's like to go and have fun. And for the longest time, it took my wife to understand that she's like, why do you always have to go play golf or, or ride your mountain bike or ski or surf or hike like every day? I'm like, because that's who I am. I am a giant kid and I've had to get back into that state mm -hmm. for me to be a great father, for me to be a great husband, for me to be a great yeah. business owner, coach, now podcast host. It's like, yeah. I have to go have fun because it keeps me young. It keeps me excited yeah. about life. Well, it's also you focusing on taking care of yourself. For sure. Which so many people neglect. And it's yeah. understandable. There's only so many hours in the day and everybody has responsibilities. You got to pay the rent. You got to pay. However, if you don't take that time to take care of yourself, there's no way you're going to be able to take care of your family. 100%. And that gets, that gets lost on so many of us, even myself. Sometimes I will neglect my exercise um, and my morning routine and the things that make me happy and keep me balanced. And when I do, I'm not as pleasurable to be around. So my girlfriend has learned, you know, 
I'm going to get up and I'm going to hit that CrossFit class or I'm going to go boxing and it has to be a priority for both of us 100%. or I'm not as cool to be around. Yeah. You know? <laughs> I feel you 100%. I told my wife when we were getting together, I said, listen, babe, we know we're going to have a kid. I need to keep my relationship first and keep me full so that I can be the best partner for you. Then we focus on our relationship and that has to take commitment over our son. And most people flip it around. Everything yeah. goes to the kid. They let go of themselves. They let go of their relationship. And then there's a divorce three years later. Why? Yeah. We let those things deplete. We let those relationships not be abundant, which then in turn actually makes us not a great parent. Sure. So you you flip that, right? And that's something that I want so many people listening in to pay attention to. Is like, how is the relationship with yourself? Are you taking care of yourself so that you can show up? Yeah. Right? Because you will have more energy. You will be more present. You will be less stressed if you can take care of yourself first. So on that note, like what are some of the habits or your routine in the morning that you do to help keep you up with the energy, to keep up with all the things that you're currently doing right now? Uh, first thing, you know, look, the obvious things you do first, you know, if you use the restroom, brush your teeth, wash your face. If you don't wash your face, start. Um, <laughs> well, like I had bad acne as a kid. So that's something that's been instilled in me for so many years. And, you know, simple thing, wash your face, moisturize a little bit. And like I have buddies that are my age look 10 years older because they just didn't learn some of those simple things. Um, I guess I should be a little, be grateful for my hair and makeup team many, many years ago, giving me that advice. Cause I can understand if you didn't have what I had being on set doing that every day, you might not learn that. For but sure. since then I've added little things. And, uh, one of the, one of the ones that I do daily and I've done for about four years now is big old tall glass of water with sea salt and lemon. And if you want to add cayenne in, that can kind of give or take how you're feeling because it primes your body. First of all, when you wake up after let's call it eight hours of sleep, you're dehydrated. That's a long time mm -hmm. to not have water. You can only go a few days before you're dead. Right. So eight hours is a big chunk of that. So the water by itself is great, but you add in uh, sea salt. You know, I do pink Himalayan, but any sea salt is good because it has so many minerals your body like, genuinely desperately needs. Mm -hmm. It's kind of like priming an engine. So I do that and make it alkaline with the lemon. There's, there's countless benefits. Look it up, Google it. But it's a really easy habit to start your day off before caffeine. That's a big one. Yep. And the amount of energy you're going to have, caffeine for me now is elective. And I elect to do it all the time because it's fantastic. I love it. Love caffeine. <laughs> but it's nice to not be reliant on it. For sure. Um, and then after that, I try and get a little bit of sun on my face. If I'm up before the sun, then that's fine. I go and get my workout. And then first thing I do after, I'm usually sweaty, pop my shirt off if I can. If not, just no sunglasses on. Just go and walk around for 10 minutes. Mm -hmm. um, I was listening to, uh, you, you know, Huberman Lab podcast. Yep. Uh, love him. Extremely bright. Has so many helpful uh episodes if you guys haven't checked them out check them out a lot of it is on health and wellness and fitness uh but he deducted in his own little you know many years of experience that the number one thing to counteract depression is sunlight yep to get 10 minutes of sun on your face in your eyes first thing in the morning within the first few hours of waking up so i'd always done it and then that kind of reconfirmed like man this is now really important so this is going to be a daily habit for sure. And it simulates the mitochondria. So it's like anti-aging and helps with depression and vitamin yeah. D. I mean, there's so many benefits and just like 10 minutes. Yeah. You know, uh, and now with, uh, I have this, I uh, got this company, Mito Red, where they do like the red light therapy and they're yeah, yeah. very affordable. They're fantastic. Um, they did not sponsor this episode, by the way. I just love them. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe next episode, you know? They will. I'm going to keep throwing it out there. So love it. See what love sticks. It. But, you know, even in the place like when we go up to Idaho and like, we don't have as much sun. The days are shorter. Like we have these red light machines that in 20 That's minutes, great. you can get like the same benefit. So for people that are in Seattle and Vancouver and you only get like what, 40 days of sun out of the year, it's like find those little hacks because those little things add up over time. Right. And it's like, it's no coincidence that 
you know, Seattle has like one of the highest suicide rates in the country. It's like yeah. literally go get your son, people. Sure. I mean, I, I, I have been up there and I've filmed movies in Vancouver before and it's beautiful. It's gorgeous. But it rains, you yeah. know, and it's very different weather. And it's easy to understand after, you know, two weeks of straight rain, now somebody can be depressed. And a huge part of that is you're not going outside. Yeah. You're not going to get that normal daily walk around the park, sun on your face. So, yeah, I think that's very smart. If you're not lucky, like uh, I've been in SoCal for most of my life and now I'm in Florida, so I make it a you know, a priority of mine to have natural sunlight. 100%. But if you can't do that, I think that's extremely smart to just make sure that you're getting it from another source at least. And when you're out walking on the beach, like most of the time you're barefoot, you're grounding, right? Yeah. You're actually connecting mm -hmm. with the earth. And right. again, when it's rainy or it's stormy or it's, you're in the cold, it's like you don't actually get out and connect with the earth and ground yourself. But like there's yeah. like, it's scientifically proven to help you get grounded, right? Yeah, for sure. So two little hacks that will help you guys just feel great in the morning, right? Right when you're getting started with your day. So what are some other things that have, helped you um just getting that flow state getting that like because when you have to be on like all the time like music thing it's like if you're not in a great mood if you're not like in flow state it becomes yeah. very challenging to perform so oh, yeah what are the some of those like little hacks you do to just to, like get you in a flow state get your mindset right it may not just be in the morning routine it may be throughout the day is there something like a pep talk that you do or a midday routine that you do it's like some of those little things that help people with getting more abundance and more and tapping into more energy so that sure. they can go out and create the best lives for themselves. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I kind of don't like the term hack. Yeah. I know it's popular because it's, you know, it's bait. It grabs you and yes. you go like, oh, what is this? None of this crap is going to work. It's not crap. None of this stuff is going to work if you do it once or twice. For sure. So these need to be consistent. These need to be habits. The benefit from all these things, you might see a little bit your first time. You're going to see so much more 30 days, 60 days, 90 days in. Um, but one of the hacks, one of the practices, one of the habits for me is meditation, which I'd never done before and just introduced about a year ago. And I try and do even just 10 minutes a day. Mm -hmm. Now it adds up, you know, you get 10 minutes of sun here, which by the way, you can also do while meditating. Yep. It's not like it's that cumbersome once you get in the routine and the habit of it. Um, I, I listen to uh, Waking Up, which is a great app. You know, there's so many different options. Usually whichever one's going to get you to do it, I just like this one um, and it's guided. And so pop in the earphones from by myself. It can be on my phone and 10 minutes. And so much of it is just sitting and breathing and trying not to focus on anything. Mm -hmm. There's definitely certain meditations where you are projecting and you're manifesting and that's great too. For me, in the morning time to just forget about everything, to not have picked up the phone first, which is a really tough one to do. Yep. If you can leave the phone alone for the first 20 minutes of your morning, again, it's so tough, especially if you're waiting on an email or you want to check social media. Try not to, because then there's nothing negative clouding your day. 100%. Dude, it's, it's when I accomplish this, and it's still tough for me. After years of habits of doing this, sometimes I still freaking roll over, check the email, and go, shit. You know, it's like yep. some, some sort of bad news. There's more bad emails than good ones, I feel 100%. like. So I try, I try not to do that. And uh, I've added in that 10 minutes of meditation, and it, it just helps. Just breathing, spending that time by yourself, for yourself, allows me to be more present, more energetic. Um, and just nicer, kinder throughout the day because I've given myself a little bit of time ready in the morning. 100%. Because if you really start to think about it, like I started meditating in 2015, 2016, started doing Vedic meditation from um, the Siva meditation app. Emily is fantastic. And just by giving yourself that 10 minutes or 15 minutes or 20 minutes in the morning allows you to get ready for the day to where nobody else can take that from you. Because if you really think about it, once you walk out that door, once you go to work, once you open the email, it's on. And now you have so many different things coming oh, yeah. at you. Like you've taken the lid off. Okay, here comes the yeah. world. 
And if you haven't taken that time to really like set up for the day, it becomes very, very challenging. And we teach a lot of our students this on the abundance platform. It's like, again, going back to that conversation we're having earlier, you need to respect that relationship with yourself before you can show up and serve your people and show up in the best way and not be cranky. It's like your girlfriend pointed out, like, if you don't go do your thing, (laughs) like, I'm going to put, I'm going to send you back to your room. Like, go do do your thing. And my wife's the same way. She's like, you haven't meditated all day. And it's not that I'm angry that I'm short. It's just like, you're not as like sweet, like extra sweet. I'm like, it's true. It's fair. Yeah. That's totally fair. Totally fair. So I love that. Um, we're both meditators. I find that the more that I talk about it, the more meditators that I meet. And it seems like we start to figure out a lot of the things through that process of like, oh, maybe I should spend 10 minutes in the sun. Maybe I should grab. Yeah. Maybe I should drink some lemon water instead of going straight to a cup of coffee. It's like you, you start to sensitize yourself in a way that you weren't before. Or you like put a little more thought into some things and, and you be like, I can now take supplements. And it's like, they work really well for me. They don't. I just right. know it. It's like, no, yeah. that's not, that's not my jam. For sure. I don't need to be doing that. And then it allows me to find the other things that allow me to keep yeah. showing up in a, in a bigger way. But you know, you, speaking of like taking a supplement and being able to tell if it works or not, most people would never be able to do that because they put so much crap into their body. Yeah. You know, and don't kick, ter- don't kick, let me backtrap a few words here. Backtrack. <laughs> yeah, really. <laughs> Do whatever um, you want, man. What do I we're we're making up words to today. <laughs> they don't take <laughs> enough care of themselves to allow their bodies to be that sensitive. But, you know, the next two things I was going to say is diet and exercise. Yep. They have to be a priority. You know, whatever is fun for you. But for me, that is a mandatory thing that I have to do every day. Some sort of exercise. And having some sort of class, I'm a huge advocate. I don't care what the class is. If you're into cycling, go to a spin class. Yep. If you're crazy like me, go to a CrossFit class, you know, or martial arts jujitsu class or something. But making that a habit, you know, and then fueling your body with, you know, just whole foods. I don't want to get into which diet is which. We can talk yeah. about it if you care, but whole foods, things that are natural. Simple as that. Don't get the Very simple. the sugary processed cereals. Like none of your body doesn't know how to process that stuff. 100%. So you're going to feel so much better if you just do those things and make it a ritual and your whole entire life changes. You know, your body composition is going to change. You exercise a little bit every day from not exercising at all. Huge change. You now start eating whole foods versus, you know, the granola bar, the things you're trying to convince yourself that are good, but you know they aren't. It, it just all, it all plays into each other. And you start knocking down each of these pillars and getting better and consistent at them. It's like, that's where your true energy, your true consistent, your skin, you know, all the things that you want to be better in life. That's where it's going to come from. 100%. And people get so overwhelmed with trying to do a lot all at once. Yes. Like, I'm going to start going to the gym and work out two hours every single day. You don't like, need to. You don't need to. Start with a 10-minute walk. Right. Start with a 20 minute walk. Start with a 30 minute workout. Start with 15 minutes of stretching, whatever it is. Just get your body in the motion of doing that to where now it starts to become something that you think about. Yeah. Right. And then once you start thinking about it and it becomes a thought, then you can actually transfer it into a habit and then eventually something that you do every day. And that's the same thing when it comes to spending time on your business, spending time on your brand, whatever it is, be consistent. And then eventually it becomes yeah. a part of you. Now, if I don't meditate, if I don't do my morning routine, yeah. I do not feel like myself. Yeah. And that's something that takes, you know, years of dedicating to it, but always starting small. Because I remember when my meditation coach said, don't get frustrated. If you can do it for 10, do it for 10. If you do it for 20 and you fall asleep and you get mad at yourself that you're thinking about other things, like don't do it. Just yeah. sit there. Just yeah, give yeah. yourself the time and eventually your brain will start to slow down from that monkey mind. Eventually yeah, yeah. you'll be able to get more into, okay. There isn't a million things happening up there. Now there's only sure. like one or two little things I'm thinking about, yeah. right? Well, and that's, that's the cool thing about meditation, exercise, all the things we're talking about. There's no one way to do them. 
you know, when I used to hear about meditation, to me, I was like, well, how do you get into this monk-like state? You know, how do you find enlightenment that quickly? How do you, you don't have to. It's not about that at all. Like right. you said, if you just happen to sit there, even if your mind is wandering, everybody's mind wanders. You know, that's normal. Mm -hmm. So go, just give yourselves the 10 or 15. That's why I think a guided podcast is a great way to start to kind of help you remind yourself to let go. But that's it. You know, just give yourself the time. And even if it is just sitting there with your thoughts, cool. That's your version of meditation. That's how you're starting off. It's still going to benefit you. Definitely. Really the big takeaway of this conversation that we're having now is like, find whatever that routine is. Find the thing that gets you clicking. Like for some people, like I love reading a personal development book for 15 minutes in the morning, or I love yeah. journaling, or I love working out immediately, or I love jumping on the mini trampoline, or I, I've really gotten into cold plunge lately. Uh, I've always I... kind of done it, but I finally got the actual plunge and it's on my back porch and I've been doing it every day for the last 45 days straight. Amazing. It's changed my life. Yeah. But again, I eased into that. It was a minute for a week and then two minutes for a week and then three and then finally up to four and my yeah. body's not freaking out. It's not extremely painful. Mm -hmm. But again, it was getting into it and that's what really makes my my body tick. I tried a lot of other things. If I read in the morning, I get sleepy and want to fall asleep. If I listen to a podcast, same thing. I need to do meditation. I need to do my hot yeah. therapy, cold therapy, and then just get moving into my day. But it took me a while to fine tune that. Sure. You know, my wife, is she's not the same way. My business partner, not the same way. They have different things that they need to do to really get their their brain and their body and their spirit really excited about the day. Yeah. So there's some great tips for you guys. Let's start to transition into, you know, you got focused, you decided that this was something that you, at this point you'd already dedicated, I don't know how many years, how many thousands of hours to your craft. Uh, Cause I was a musician for a while as well and spent a lot of time doing it. Didn't really ever go anywhere. So like, I know the the struggling artist being in LA working four different jobs, trying to do whatever you can to make it happen. Walk us through like that process, some of the ups and the downs and, and the wins and the losses of you really coming into really the, the path that you're on today. Sure. I mean, everybody has their kind of struggling artist story. Mine, you know, when I was about 16, I started driving up to LA for auditions from San Diego, which is only like a two, two and a half hour drive. But I was paying for my own gas, mm -hmm. you know, and I had to, you know, find a place to sleep. Luckily, my godmother had a place there and I had her couch. Uh, but it was it was exciting for me. Mm -hmm. But it did get to the point where I'm like, dude, you know, like as cool as this is, I can't afford to do this consistently. Like it's just cost prohibitive. And um, it, it got to the point where I was either sleeping on her couch or it, it actually got to the point where I had a manager who was willing to split a crappy little apartment with me. No, he kind of needed a place in LA, but it was more of just his generosity. I'd be like, hey, okay, you know, I'll pay for the master bedroom. You pitch in what you can for the second bedroom and you can pretty much have a place to stay because that was actually cheaper for me than continue to go back and forth. Yeah. And that was my way of saying, okay, you know, I'm actually going to graduate early. I'm going to take a huge risk here and take a huge step and put myself up there. And I'd give myself a year basically to defer not to go straight to college, which it's a scary thing to do, you know, in a society. Maybe it's changing a little bit now, but it's always been like, what do you do after high school? You yep. go to college. There's nothing wrong with that if you have the means to go to college and you don't know what you want to do um, or you know exactly what you want to do. I think there's two reasons to go. You know, either you have no freaking idea and if you have the means, go and figure it out in college. Nothing wrong with that. Mm -hmm. You know exactly what you want to do. So you go to a trade school and you learn that trade. Nothing wrong with that. For me, I knew what I wanted to do and I didn't see college benefiting that for me. In fact, I went and interviewed at several different um, conservatories that were, you know, acting conservatories, performing art conservatories. Mm -hmm. And I still couldn't justify spending 
a copious amount of money and then coming out four years older in a youth-driven industry yep. after I'd already been training for so, much, so long to do this and was already working small jobs doing this. It was very strange. It was, it was very counterintuitive to me. A lot of these schools too, when you, when you would go and I'd ask them, I'd say, hey, so if I get a, a job, you guys are obviously understanding and work with me. They said, no, absolutely not. You are here to learn. You're in school and then you go look for jobs afterwards. Yeah. And I'm like, but I'm already, already working, already booking things. Why the hell would I just stop doing it? So, you know, anyways, it was still a, it was a somewhat calculated risk, but mm -hmm. it was still a very big risk. And, you know, it was a knock on wood, huge blessing that I started booking small things quickly, did some independent work, uh, worked on iCarly. You know, within a relatively short period of time, booked Big Time Rush. The interesting thing about that, though, is that was still a two-year process from four different screen tests, actually shot an entire multi-million dollar pilot. They recast again after that. They recast four separate times over two years. Wow. And I was in the very first audition. So as cool as it was to have this opportunity, I started when I was 17 years old and we weren't on air, didn't actually get picked up until I was 19, and there was no guarantee in between then that it was going to happen. So it was a wild ride. You know, thousands of kids auditioned for this project. We recorded so many different songs. I was paired up, and I can't tell you how many different groups of four there were of, of us. I bet. And, uh, you know, two of us kind of were in the first round, Logan and I. It wasn't until the third round we found Carlos, who was, you know, part of the project still. And then it wasn't until the very last round we found Kendall, and it was completed. Wow. So it was, uh, it was a wild ride, but you know what? Then it turned out to be one of the most uh, successful kid shows ever, and the band We've been lucky enough to tour the world. And then as a lot of people know, it took a big old break and now brought the band back and we're doing it all over again. And it is exciting. That is so exciting to hear and so inspiring because for a lot of people and probably even people that you are around that you're working with, we're like, that was an overnight success. You got super lucky. Like you just kind of showed up and hit it right time, right place. But that really wasn't your experience, was it? No, I've always said luck is a fantastic catalyst, you know? No doubt, you have to have a certain amount of luck in your life for certain things. You're at the right place at the right time. But then, was it luck to re remain in four separate screen tests? If there was a little bit in there, I'm not going to fault it, because how could I possibly know? But I know I worked my ass off over two years. Every time we had to go and get coached for acting and then present it to the network, I was off book before I got there. Every time we had to learn a new song, I was on it. If any, you know, teammates, those different bandmates, all weren't, I was working with them. We were doing the best group performance you possibly can. Every time we had to go into a dance thing, I was up all night, perfecting it, learning it, giving my best shot. All of that, and maybe a little bit of luck, because again, who knows? And you can't say it, it didn't it didn't pop its head up once in a while, is why it happened. But I think a really good indicator of those who just get lucky once and those who work their ass off is longevity. For sure. How many people you know had a big thing, and then are still here? And we think about it. Not a lot, especially from the younger kids' television world, from Disney stars to Nick stars. Um, it's kind of sad, actually, whether it's because they squandered their money or they just simply didn't get another opportunity. Mm -hmm. Most of us have something rarely as big as, as you know, Big Time Rush was, and then that's pretty much it. And there's a few of us that have been able to continue to work, continue to, to grow. And a lot of it you know, comes down to abundance and the mindset of, hey, this will not be it for me. I want to do more. For me, I've always said it this way, like I want to do this for the rest of my life. So doing one project is fantastic. Doing two, even better. Still not enough to continue. So that's always been my mindset. Like how do I make sure that there's opportunity tomorrow? There's another gig. And most of that comes down to, well, let me just keep training every day. 
You know, when success comes when preparation meets opportunity. So in between all these things, I'm not just sitting around or wasting my money or partying. Or, you know, no, I'm working towards continuing to get better at this stuff, continuing to create opportunity. And I think that is a big reason why I'm still doing what I'm doing. Yeah, and for a lot of, you know, creatives and musicians and actors that are listening into this, like that's such an important mindset to apply that not a lot of people really talk about in the industry. Like I went to acting classes and I tried as a musician and that wasn't the conversation. I started getting into personal development and business and people were speaking a whole different language that yeah. I had never heard before. I was like, wow, if I would have known this and was treating my music or my acting career as a, as a longevity play and as a, um, having just a better mindset, a healthier mindset around it. Cause I had friends around me that like, boom, we're getting these big gigs and all of a sudden making money and, and going from living, moving out of a tiny little crappy apartment in Hollywood to getting a big house up on the hill. And I was just like, yeah, this is so exhausting. The emotional roller coaster is wild, wild. in this industry because yeah. I, my emotions were controlling me completely. I was reacting to everything that was happening in the world, not having the positive grounded mindset of I'm in doing the reps every day. I'm in with the right people. I'm going to keep doing it. It's going to happen. Now, 10 years later, a good friend of mine just hit me up and now his acting career blew up. His music career blew up. And right at that point we had split ways and I started focusing on business and he saw my business was blowing up and doing all these big things. And we, we had a conversation. We looked back. It's like, dude, we just stayed focused on our craft that we wanted for the last 10 years. And then we both in the last couple of years have seen like massive growth. Yeah. But it went back to, he got into personal development as well, kept driving on that. Yeah. And I think that's really important for anybody listening. And it's like for a lot of these abundant leaps or what seems like an overnight success comes from years of spending the time to shape your mindset in the right way so that you actually see those opportunities, right? Sure. If you're showing up to these amazing events, but then you're just like partying or you're just like there to make friends. And then you, you, you might've passed shoulders with somebody that would have changed your life that night. If you would have had an opened conscious grounded conversation. Yeah. And, you know, I think kind of digging in a little deeper to some of that within my industry, it isn't always easy to find peers with this kind of mindset, mm -hmm. with a healthy mindset. It is a very competitive industry and it's very cutthroat, often in times and ways that I don't think it needs to be. Yeah. So agreed. I am very conscious of that and I try and continuously empower people to be positive, to keep going, to be tenacious. Because I believe, like you said, putting in the reps, um, I look at it as tenacity, the, you know, the unwillingness to give up. Mm -hmm. I think that is even more important than talent. You need to be good enough, right? But after that bar, if you're capable of doing the job, whether it's an acting thing or you need to be able to sing this part, who is going to get the job? And I always go back to like, it's the person who wants it more, the person who has been around, who refuses to give up. Yep. So don't get discouraged, which is easy, easier said than done. Um, go out there and be willing to fail. You know, you have to fail to learn. Failing sucks. Nobody likes it, but you have to. It's the only time you learn in life. When you get something right, you don't go back to the, you know, to the tape and watch and go, how can I improve? You're like, no, nah, I won. You know, yep. I got it right. <laughs> For sure. <laughs> Even though you probably should, you know, we probably should. Right say, hey, let's enjoy this moment, but I probably still could have done it even better. It's like psychopathic you know, mentality. Most of us don't do that. When you fail, you do, at least you should. Because yep. that's where you go back and you critique and you learn, you get better. Um, it's wild though. It reminds me of a little, uh, little story that I had a friend and I was years into me working and things going well and he was a struggling actor and was like, hey, let's, you know, let's get lunch. And I show up and it's like, he's drinking a margarita and you know, whatever, he's hanging out. Like for me, I had the day off. It was a Tuesday, but it didn't matter. I'd worked all weekend. Like that was my day off. And 
you know, I'm just, he's like talking to me and he's like, you know, Hey, you know, how are you, how are you doing? And like, you're just like still going. And I just kept thinking, eventually I said it to, to him. I'm like, what time did you wake up? And he's like, well, it's, you know, it's like 1130, you know, half an hour before and I rode over here. I'm like, all right, you woke up 1130 and you're having a margarita. It's noon on a Tuesday. Yeah. What are you doing, bro? <laughs> you know, yeah. I'm like, I'm not trying to diss you, but you had so many hours today. Mm -hmm. You could have dedicated to so many things to get better at. Like you could be in acting class. You could be at the gym. You could be whatever it is you want to do. You'd be reading a book. You could be networking. You just a million ways you could have spent that time. But you're up partying last night. You woke up and you slept until 11. Um, and now you're here and you just casually have another margarita that you can't afford because it's 22 bucks in Hollywood and you're yep. broke. You're just like, don't, don't fall into that. Like you got to be an artist to be an artist. I don't, I'm sorry. I probably have sworn on this. Uh, you're podcast. all good. Great. Fuck that. I can't stand that mentality. Yep. And so many people have, you know, even I had agents back in the day that certainly don't work for me anymore. They even tried to encourage that. Like, yep. no, man, don't be a businessman. No, I, we've got that covered for you. Go out there, be an artist, have fun, go party. I even had a, an agent that was encouraging me, like, do drugs because he thought, like, that's where you had to be to play this character. And thank God I didn't buy into it. For sure. Thank and God. It, it's so sad that that is like the mentality because a lot of people then eventually get so a part of the scene it's like now they can't go out and and conversate and and build relationships without that catalyst without the drugs without the alcohol without yeah. that destructive kind of toxic environment that people learn to operate in yeah and they almost don't feel comfortable unless they are in that environment and i got burnt out from it of like going to all the parties and sure. doing all the things and who does who's back do i got to climb off of to get to the next thing i was just like it was such a scarcity uh, mindset and go be a chameleon and go do what everyone else is doing. And I was just like, yeah. oh, I can't, I can't do this. So I'm, I, I'm so proud of you for just being like, no, 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 that's not the way I see it. This is what I'm going to do. And you stuck to it and it has served you extremely well. No, I appreciate it, man. I mean, especially when I started being a multi hyphenate was not cool. When I was doing this, it's been long enough for me that it was like, I, I remember I'd sit at huge meetings with new agencies and the the department I'd have a, a you know an acting department there, I'd have a music department there, and I'd have a digital department there, and each one of them would be sitting there like, so what do you want to what do you want to be? You want to be an actor? Or do you want to be a musician? Do you want to do digital? I'm just like sitting here, I'm like guys, I already do all of these things. Yeah, I'm doing them. What the fuck is wrong with you? Like mm -hmm. really? Like I'd walked out of those rooms with as much respect as I could, just going clearly you don't understand what I'm trying to do here, and. Thank you for your time. You're obviously not the right team for me. And now look at the biggest stars in the world. Look at Dwayne Johnson. You know, look at Kevin Hart. Look at, you know, even Mark Wahlberg. Yeah. The, the different things that they do that somebody would have told them back in the day. No, no, no. Movie stars don't do a reality show. Okay. Uh, well, if it's done right, it's a hugely successful, successful thing called the Wahlburgers. I don't know. It gets me fired up here, as you can tell, because I just want to encourage people, do what you enjoy. And in mm -hmm. order to figure that out, you got to try different things. If For you've sure. never hosted something, go fucking create a, you know, a YouTube series on your own. If you have fun with it, keep doing it. You're going to get better at it. All of a sudden, you get paid to do it, and that's cool. If you haven't acted before and you're a model, go to an acting class. Now, I would bet you, much like you know, my girlfriend got into it, and she was like, hey, I want to try this out. I said, hey, go try it out, but you may not like it. And a lot of people won't because mm -hmm. acting classes can be pretty fucking boring. Yeah. If you haven't been through it, it's like you're sitting around, you know, for three hours and 45 minutes of a four hour class watching other people work. Yeah. You're supposed to learn a lot and you absolutely can. But if you're not really interested in it, you're going to be bored. Mm -hmm. But hey, that's a great way to learn. You don't like something. For sure. Go try it out. Same with with instruments. You know, if you play guitar is a good example, although I'm much more of a pianist. But actually, here's here's why I'm a better pianist. When I'd sit down and play piano, 
it didn't feel like practice to me. Mm -hmm. And so what did I do? I kept doing it because it was fun. Mm -hmm. Guitar always felt like practice to me. So I'm a terrible guitarist. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. And that's, that's what it comes down to. So if you don't really enjoy something, that's totally okay. You know, you're not a failure because you quit. Move on to something else and try it out. Because when you do find the thing you enjoy, it's not going to feel like practice. You're going to do it more. So you're going to get better at it. You see where this goes. 100%. And, you know, I want to go back to a point you made earlier about being authentic where teams weren't agreeing with what you wanted. So you just kept going until you found the right people. And that's such a powerful message to understand is being authentic, being true to yourself. Our minds mess, mess with us so often where we start thinking about what everybody else is saying and this, that, and the other, and it doesn't feel right in our gut. It's like we have more neurotransmitters in our stomach than we do in our brain. So when you hear like, listen to your gut, like listen to your core, like yeah. do you have a knot in your stomach when you're sitting there talking about this business deal or talking about this opportunity? It's probably not right. You're feeling it. Yeah. And that's just uh, an important way to listen to your compass, really, because our, our minds think, oh, I'm going to miss out on that and, and that can blow me up sooner and this, that, and the other. Yeah. It's like, when you stay authentic and you just keep going in the same direction, right? Of just like, no one's taking me off this path. The right people will show up. You always hear the saying like, don't go chasing love. Love will find you. It's like the same idea with like the people, your cheerleaders, your people that are going to be in your corner to take you to where you truly need to go yeah. will show up when you stay consistent because then people actually know who you are. Yeah. People will know what you stand behind. People will know what you believe in. They'll say, you know what? I want to go be a part of what James is doing because I already believe in what he's doing. I've already been doing the work. I'm going to show up and I'm going to like be on his team and help take him to that next level. Yeah. But you know what? It's scary. And I think that's why you know, if anybody's listening to this. I get it. You get it. We all get it. It is so scary to say no, especially when somebody's promising you something you need. Yep. It's usually money, you know, or an opportunity to go to the next level in your career, whatever it is you want to do. But you do have to believe in yourself. And the power of no, the power of no thank you is tremendous, especially when it comes to deal making. Yep. How many times have you said no to something and they come back and now it's twice as much as it was before? Oh yeah. You say no thank you and they come back and like, well, let me offer you this, this, and this. Like the power of no is pretty amazing. Yep. Um, and if you just, you don't believe it's right for you, you have to give yourself enough value. You have to believe in your self-worth enough to know that you're going to get something else. Mm -hmm. And again, if you don't have anything, it's scary because you need something, but needing something is the worst way to walk into a room. Yep. So even if you do pretend like you don't. And that's the thing is like, it's a very small world in the entertainment business and the business world. It's a small world. Like you will get another opportunity to speak to that person. Yeah. And if a deal if you get into a bad deal or a bad situation, it's like the whole rest of the industry, the whole rest of the business world, like hears about that. Like it can really ruin your reputation if you get into a sideways deal or, or some mm -hmm. of these things. So it's like protect yourself. Your word and your name are the most valuable things that you have. Sure. And if you keep integrity with both of those, the right opportunities will come up. Like James, you have like your track record is amazing. You've worked with all these incredible people. You're doing all these great things and you've been on that same mission since yeah. you were 17 years, well, six years old to start, but then 17 years old, <laughs> yeah, you know? Professionally. Yeah, man. And that kind of brings me to like one of my biggest things. If I can encourage anybody to do anything, it's just be nice. Because as crazy as it sounds, think about how fast word spreads today. Mm -hmm. Immediately, email, social media. It's like people hear about how you are. And it is so much easier to just be a nice person. Say thanks. Be gracious. Show up early. Know your job when you get there. Because it's like people want to work with nice people and good people. I think mm -hmm. more so now than ever. For sure. I think back in the day, the industry was different. You know, mm -hmm. kind of right when I got into it, it felt like it was starting to change. But even 15 years ago, 
it was a little bit more of like, you know, who's the biggest swinging dick in the room? And like now that doesn't fly anymore, which is a fucking great thing. It's amazing. So if you want to be, you know, have to think about longevity, like we've spoken about quite a few times. If you want longevity, whatever it is you're doing, be nice. Because even if you're not right for the job, they're going to remember like, hey, that guy was really, he was cool, you know, or she was wonderful. Or she was polite. And then people are going to start manifesting for you. Like, how do I, what do, how do we bring them back in the room? Like, what's right for them? Yep. People remember that. The same way, if you're a prick or you're late or you're just, you know, disrespectful of somebody else's time or like all the stereotypes you've heard of back in the day, don't try and be them because people will actually talk about that more than you being nice. Yep. You know, so you want word to spread fast, be a prick because then everybody's going to know the next, you know, by the afternoon. Right. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. It's so true. And it has shifted because, yeah, anymore, like there's so much talent out there. There's so much talent. Mm -hmm. And so people will choose to work with just people that they really like, know, and then trust, right? Sure. It really comes down to that. It's like life is short. And I always talk about with the abundance community, like I love the idea of fun, fun money, fun people, fun times. Love it. Like, And that's what we stick to. That's like one of our core values inside of the company. So we hire people. We let students onto our platform of people that are just good people that yeah. have like those good characteristics right? Not so much like, what are your credentials and what does your resume look like? Like, are you a good person? Are you going to show up on time? Are you coachable? Like, do yeah. you have a bigger vision? Do you want to have bigger impact? Great. You're perfect for the abundance family. And I see a lot of um, industries and organizations starting to operate that, op operate in that world. Yeah. You know, it's just like the new, the new status quo. Well, you spend more time with the people you work with often than your friends and family, you know? So of course you, you got to like them. <laughs> right. You better enjoy their company. Think, you know, think in a similar fashion. And kind of the way I look at, you know, my job, again, you have to be good enough to do the job. So you don't have to have the best resume in the world, but like, hey, you've got something to show. You have promise. You're within that good enough range, but you're coachable. Like you said, you can learn. You want to be there. And that's a huge part of it, too. It's like the eagerness. Show somebody you care about their vision. You want to be within their business. You want to grow it as you grow your own. People get excited about that, you know, and. Yeah, I mean, I think of it just like a TV series too. When you, you know, you want to cast an incredibly talented person, right? But then you start thinking about, I got to spend every day yep. with this person for potentially 10 seasons. Mm -hmm. No. And it's like, you might be the most talented person I've ever met in my life. But if I can't see myself enjoying my life for the next 10 years, there's no way in hell you're getting casted. Yep. 100%. 100%. Um, man, just so, so much great insight from you. So talk to us about, um, some of the other abundant lessons that you learned with your mindset, because I mean, the band blew up, you guys were all over the place and then you went on a hiatus. Like what happened there? Why, why did the hiatus happen? If, if you can talk about it. Sure. I mean, I think the easiest answer is we all needed a break. Mm -hmm. We were filming. How long were you touring at the time before the hiatus? You know, started in 2017, had that couple of years of building the project. Uh, sorry, 20, 2007. Wow. 2007. And had a couple of years and then finally figured it out, had the right cast, was on air in 2009. Um, so we'd started filming in 2008, I guess, and started making the record. And so from 2007 until 2013, it was pretty much nonstop. You know, we filmed a season, sometimes 22 episodes, 28 episodes, which is single camera, if you know the difference between multicam and single cam. Single camera's a lot more work. You're on yeah. set at 6 a.m. on Monday. You start with a 12-hour day. Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, get pro progressively longer, mm -hmm. you know? And yep. usually you're shooting into a frat day. Yep. Because you got you to gotta make your week. And then in it's between- I've heard that frat day, but I like it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That's when you're hustling. Yeah, yeah. 
And then in between that, we were recording music. And the longer we did it, the more we got into writing the music. And then we were in choreography and we were doing press. And on the weekends, we'd fly and play two shows and fly back. We had police escorts just to get there, not because it was cool, because we wouldn't make our flight in time in LA if we didn't. Yeah. It was so wild and so amazing. But after so many years of that, we really got to the place where we were a little bit burnt out. And how you, old were you in 2007? I mean, I was 17 when I started. Yeah. So we all wanted to explore our individual creativity as well. You know, I wanted to do movies and I wanted to, uh, to write my own music and things were more personal to me. And the other guys did the same thing. So we all went off and had our own paths. And I've done, I don't know, 10 or 15 movies, did another series, did a solo album, got into DJing, a lot of things that fulfill me. Mm -hmm. And then we all kind of came back at a time where we had all done things that had fulfilled us. We'd all gone out and branched out. All of us have built different paths, different careers. My investments are a big part of my life now, and that's become really fun for me. And then we actually were like, hey, this would be fun to bring back if we can do it, if X, Y, and Z line up. You know, if we can figure out the team that we want, which we did, if we can figure out how we can, you know, operate as an actual band, which we've always been, and now we actually do, mm -hmm. you know, check that off. So all the stars aligned, and it's, it's, it's worked out bigger and better than we could have possibly imagined this time around. The fans didn't go away. In fact, we have more now than we did before. A lot of people grew up and like, you know, a lot of the guys back in the day that may not have been psyched are like now like, dude, you know, they look up to us like you were my childhood. And I got bros that lift more than me in the audience dancing and singing the songs. And I fucking <laughs> love it. You know, it's so cool. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't, I'm going on a tangent. I'm losing my, my train of thought here, but that's, uh, that's kind of how it all came back around. Well, and it goes back to this whole conversation about abundance and the longevity of it and how you applied that to these other aspects of your life that just like kept you going. Like it was still a part of your like brainwaves of I'm going to keep creating. This is my passion. I'm going to do this forever. Like you said, when you were 17 and it just kept continuing to happen for you. And a lot of those skills that you learned through like your first real big push, like you applied those to the other parts of it. And correct me if I'm wrong, but you started to learn like the business side of music, the business side of entertainment. And by you not staying up and drinking all night and showing up at 11 o'clock on a Tuesday with a margarita in your hand, you were able to have the energy and the mindset and the knowledge that you would learn to be able to apply it to these other aspects of your life that have continued to have abundance in so many different ways where you're like, okay, well, boom, I'm going to hit this and I know it's going to work because I've done the reps. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and so what were some of the other learning lessons you learn in business and, and in abundance um, when the band took its hiatus, was it kind of a scary moment for you of like, wow, we're stopping this. It's going so well. The, I don't know if the money was great or if it was all going to the record label or how that was all working. But and you don't have to share if you don't want to. But going from so much attention and so much like push and all the all the things that come along with fame and traveling the world. Was there kind of a, a oh shit moment for a second or were you like, no, nah, I'm I'm focused. I'm ready to go dive into these other aspects. Yes to all. Yeah, that's <laughs> all of that. Um, well, let me put it this way. I can never complain about anything that I do because I have a fucking phenomenal life. I am so grateful for it. But when it comes to the financial side, how it started to the band, like, did we pay our dues? You bet we did. Mm -hmm. Again, way better than, you know, first job flipping burgers. Like, we were lucky to be making what we were making. We were lucky to be doing what we were doing. We were getting a fractional amount of what we were, the work we were putting in. But that's okay. I knew what I signed up for, mm -hmm. and they gave us a huge platform. Um, so after, you know, but it was also, again, we were creatively unfulfilled after so many years of doing the same thing. 
Right. You know, on any series, you're playing the same character for so many years, which is amazing and it's a blessing. But as an artist, as a creative, you want to play other characters. You don't want to just do the same thing. That's not why you got into being acting. Right. Got into acting to play all sorts of characters. So that was part of our drive. Like, I want to go and do some, you know, I want to play a bad guy. I want to play a murderer. I want to play just like, you know, things that I got to do in independent films afterwards. Um, and so there was a part of me, as I say yes to all of that, that was just gung-ho, ready to go. And some of these roles lined up and some of these things did come to fruition. I'm like, this is exactly what I want to do. And then some years, they didn't. Some years, you didn't have people knocking down your door because while well, the project wasn't as big or like, yeah, it's not that exciting, which was also surprising. Mm -hmm. Luckily, I was pretty frugal and conservative financially, and I was lucky to have mentors in my life that just, you know, discouraged spending for spending and encouraged me actually investing. So I was able to, you know, be comfortable and actually grow my money even when I wasn't making money from what I was used to making money doing, acting and singing and touring. But that was, you know, there were struggles even within that. You know, one of the lessons I was telling you, I learned a big lesson in real estate. And one of them was just because you have money in the bank doesn't mean you should go and, you know, acquire another asset because assets cost money to maintain. For sure. So if you, you know, I, I basically had all of these assets had millions of dollars in assets, but I was cash poor at a period of this, you know, in, in this eight year period, there's a period where I was cash poor where I'd be like, hey, I'm going to go on this trip. I got to pop into New York for something. Um, and my business manager would be like, okay, but you know, yeah, maybe just like fly economy this time. And I remember and that was like a really weird moment for me where I'm sitting there going, I'm not trying to be a prick, but it's like a long flight. It's a red eye. I'm waking up the next morning to work. That's why it's called business class, you know? Right. And I'm sitting there going like, what do you mean? Like, this is, I work my ass off, you know? Mm -hmm. And he's like, well, yes, and you've done well, but you tied it up in this next house, you know? And I bought, a, I bought another property. And it wasn't an income generating property. It was a property that was, it was growing as an asset, but mostly in equity. So, you know, it was a really scary and frankly, annoying time in my life for mm -hmm. like, this is almost a two year period where I was like pretty cash poor. It's just really stressful. I'd have big bills and be enough coming in to cover them. But then it's like, there wasn't enough to do what I wanted to do. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, that was a really tough lesson to learn. I ended up selling one of the properties, diversifying how I invested. It changed the way in which I, I thought about money. So far as to now, like this year, I've taken even another step into my frugality, which has put me in a position where I'm so stress-free. Mm -hmm. And I encourage everybody to live so far beneath their means they can be stress-free. Where I went from a five-bedroom house in Vegas, plus I'd kept an apartment in Los Angeles, essentially consolidated seven bedrooms into a two-bedroom condo that I'm in now in, in uh, Miami. And how's that feel? Awesome. I, <laughs> I have so much less crap. Like I yeah. literally got rid of 80% of the things that I owned from furniture to clothes. And I don't miss any of them. Mm -hmm. I just don't because it's less overhead. It's less stress. And it just put me in a position where it's like, dude, well, I can do whatever I want to do. I'm like, I still don't fly business class just for the sake of it because I don't really care. It seems like a waste of money to me. Right. But if I want to, I can. It's not going to change my day. You know, I mean, I can do wild things and it wouldn't change my day, but I still live in this frugal mindset. But man, I can't tell you how stressed I was during those mm -hmm. couple of years. And it wasn't fun. So that was, you know, one of the big lessons I learned is that you, if you're making a lot of money, that's great. But pretend like you're not going to next year. Yep. And hopefully you do. And that should be a nice surprise for you. But uh, I will never let myself go without a sufficient runway for a couple of years living the way that I want to live. I love that you just said that because that is always my rule. Always stay liquid for three years. Take what our overhead is and then maybe give it a 15% bump just with inflation yeah, and yeah. gas prices. And we're seeing all this you know, stuff go wild right Crazy. now. Have that. And then, like you said, there's times where I've been 
cash poor. Or there's times when I've made stupid investments because I didn't do my research. I didn't have the right amount of time. Yeah. And then, you know, getting, you know, even having assets burned to the ground or, and it's just like, then all that stress comes back and you're like, what, what was it all worth for me to be in that mindset? It's the worst feeling in the world. I know a lot of you listening in experience that. And so that's the whole part of this abundance podcast and abundance.io is to really help people get smart about their money, get abundance in their in their mind, in their physical being, uh, in their finances, really in their relationships. Because like we're saying, you know, having the right people around you is so important. Like we already have enough stresses in our lives to have like people talking us down, right? Eventually, I, I yeah. always say like, if you're not losing friends, you're not growing. And so true. you allow room for the right people to show up that want to keep pushing you, that can give you the right insight into those things like, oh, maybe that isn't the best property to invest in. And like, oh, maybe you should have a three-year runway. And like, honestly, you know, driving a Volvo still gets you everywhere opposed to driving like the brand new Lamborghini SUV that just came out. And they're still like, they're both awesome cars. It was like, you don't really need that. Yeah. You know, it's an appreciating asset. So it's like, you start meeting the right people that give you the right insight to help like really close those, I call them knowledge gaps of where, sure, you can go out and listen to some guy on YouTube or whatever that is giving you all this financial advice that really just, you know, you're, you don't have the time to spend to become abundant knowledge in that. But when you start meeting the right people in the right networks, that's why I say go to masterminds, come to our events, yeah. get in the right room with the right people. You know, we both know, you know, David Meltzer now, which has yeah. added tons of value to both of our lives. And that's the reason why we're sitting here in this room is when you have the abundance in people, it'll help show you the abundance in the other aspects of life that you don't quite understand yet. Where I heard people talk about cash flow, but I didn't understand it. And then saw so many people get trapped in that. And like when 07 08 collapsed and people lost everything because they were, you know, house poor. Yeah. It's like, I learned from those people to not be in that position. Sure. David was one of them. Yeah. Yeah. He talks about it all the time. Well, you know, here's a really good barometer about the friends that you should be around. And David's a great example of this. You're a great example of this. When you meet somebody and they are an open book with all of their contacts, that's a special person. Yep. That's a nice person. That's a confident person. And that's somebody who wants to add value to your life because they recognize the value add to their own lives. Then think about the friends that you have. Like how many times do you meet somebody and they're like, oh, well, yeah, I'll, I'll introduce you. And they, they don't, you right. know, or they just they keep all their cards so close to their vest. I think that's so odd. And that's not a friend that I need in my network or that I want to be around. Like what's so secretive? What's, you know, they're afraid of sharing because they feel that they're going to lose out on part of something. And that's yeah. not how the world works. It's not. The more you share, the more you give, the more it comes back to you. You have to believe that. And if you don't, try it out the other way. But it's a lot less fun. Um, a lot more stressful. And yeah. I just don't think that the world works that way. Especially now, you know, the I call it the bullshit meter. People that are more sensitive than they've ever been. Really? They smell bullshit from a mile away. <laughs> <laughs> it's like sensitive in all ways. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But and, you know. With that same, with that same mindset, is also people are a lot more receptive and a lot more appreciative when you actually come through and what you say you do because talk is so cheap. It's like, oh yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. especially in the entertainment world. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Do this favor for me and I'll get you in touch with this person. And they for never sure. do. It's like, dude, I remember that. I remember the conversation. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know. And so when people come through uh, and really show up, it goes a long ways. And if you want to have more abundant opportunities, give the people that you can, the opportunities that you can offer. Absolutely. Because it all comes around. People remember that stuff. It's like just a little thing that can help, you know, help them 
you know, whatever, lose weight faster or get to the right doctor to give them the food sensitivity test so they no longer have migraines or whatever it is. Just refer two friends to a food sensitivity doctor. There you go. There you go. So we're we're speaking the same language and that's such an important skill to have. A really good friend of mine, uh, I'm going to have him on the podcast at some point this season. His name's Charles and his whole business is about JVing and essentially just connecting the right people. So he's just been collecting business cards like his whole life. I was just like, I really like that person. Someday I'm going to be able to add value to their life. Yeah. And just in the short amount of time I've known him, he's added so much value to my life. Like, you need to get in the room with this person. You need to speak with that person. And these are business cards that he was holding on to for like four years. And he was genuinely understanding what their business was, what their needs were. Yeah. And then became friends. And then eventually it was like, oh my gosh, you need to talk to this Connecting person. And, yeah. and boom, here you go. And that's just like a really magical way to think about life. It's like, how can I help this person? I'm going to really know them. So at some point when I can make that connection and have an impact on their life, like what a great way to go out living life. Like how can I help this person? How can I bring more abundance to their, to their life? And through operating that way, it allows your frequency to operate at a higher level, the excitement. And like, it attracts those other people. Like, I don't know how many times where I've just been having a great day coming out of an amazing experience like this. And We'll just bump into an amazing human being at a restaurant. We end up becoming best friends just because like the frequency is up. I've just been around the right people that day. We're sure. like, what do you do? Like you're having so, you're having so much yeah, fun yeah. in the world. Like how can we hang out? I'm sure that would have happened. We just would have walked by each other and like, what's up? Yeah. You seem like you're, you got great boots, obviously. Thank you. Likewise. <laughs> <laughs> well, but sure. it, you know, the same way, if you hang out with people that are going to lower your frequency. Yes. They will. Yes. You know, it's like you, what they say, you are your five closest friends. Yep. And that's entirely true. So if you're looking around and your friends are really taking, you know, taking their own needs in consideration or aren't really trying to progress in life, and you over here being like, well, I really want to accomplish things, you might need a new sir. Yep. And it's, it gets scary to find it, but the more you put it out there like anything else, the more you are going to find those people that raise your frequency, that encourage you to do better, that selflessly like want you to succeed, or even selfishly. Selfishly, I want my friends to be the most successful because that's awesome. You yep. know, I want my circle to be confident. I want my circle to be financially stable. I want, I want to be able to say, hey, I'm going on a, a trip to Fiji. Let's go. And we can split it five ways and nobody bats an eye. Because that's yep. a cool thing. So why not put that out there? And if your friends aren't in the position like, hey, man, I can't do it. You got two choices. You can be like, no problem. Let's do something else. It doesn't cost so much. We can all be there. Or it's all good. I've had a great year. I got you covered. Yeah. Like, that's a great place to be. 100%. Because, I mean, life is so short. And... I, I just want to spend it with the people that I love and I genuinely enjoy being around yeah. and, you know, really putting out there with the abundance brand and going to a lot of talks and, and doing the podcast has like really opened up the platform to invite like really new friends into what we're doing, which has been so exciting. And, you know, I was nervous about going and stepping out, being very vulnerable on the podcast and, and creating these other things. And then I was like, no, I'm I'm afraid of it because I know it's going to challenge me and it's going to allow really amazing people that have done really big things show up where, man, I want to make sure I put on a good show and ask the right questions and do sure. all the things, you know, but it's allowed for just amazing people to show up. And it's a way yeah. for me to give back as well and to create more opportunities. It's like if you create more platforms, you have more opportunities to serve your friends and serve the people that you love. And it just creates like this flywheel effect of abundance. It's like yeah. David's helped me on a, in a million ways from being on his show, even in the last like, you know, couple of months, including, you know, us being able to meet. So. Absolutely. And I, I guess I kind of always go back to so many conversations I've had in my life and maybe some people that are listening or watching right now 
that go, well, it's easy for us to say this and it's easy for us to feel this way because we've done well. We're in a position where, oh yeah, it's easy for you to talk about giving back. You're not stressed about paying rent next month. And I understand that. But what I will say is you still can start, even if it's at a macro level. And one of the, my favorite adages is if you are stingy when you're poor, you're going to be stingy when you're rich. Mm -hmm. But if you are generous when you're poor, you're going to be generous when you're rich. And I think that applies to just about anything we're talking about here. You don't have to wait until you're successful. Wait until to start doing these things. You can start doing them now. Yep. It's scary, but start being more generous now. Start focusing on yourself more now. Start doing these things you haven't allowed yourself to do because you think, well, I'm not there yet. You know, once, I'm, once I make a million dollars, I'll be able to do it. No, you got to start now because that is how you're going to get the train moving. And again, you're going to start being this awesome, generous, positive, high-frequency person. Now imagine how awesome and generous, positive, how high your frequency is going to be when you do start making more and have all, these, all this abundance starts coming in your life. That gets me excited. Oh, that's so powerful. Like that shift, we talk about abundant leaps on this show a lot. And it's like that right there is probably the most powerful downloads you could get if you're really just getting into this and you haven't experienced that yet is when you open up to that and you allow that to come in, right? Now you start moving in that direction. And you just, yeah, like you said, you just got to get the train rolling. And then yes, you will allow for abundance because I always had a really bad relationship with money. I thought anybody that made money was evil and they screwed somebody over and they sued somebody or, you know, someone is getting the short end of the stick there. That's how they got rich. Mm -hmm. Right. And I had that just poor um, scarcity mindset and yeah. I had to go out there and you got to work super hard for everything and you got to get what's yours, which is a lot of the scarcity mindset is in the entertainment industry as well. Sure. And eventually I was just like, man, I have a terrible relationship with money. I have a terrible relationship with the way that I, I'm viewing the world. I have a terrible relationship with myself and not wanting that life, right? And so making that shift of saying, no, I'm going to start being generous. I'm going to start acting like I have the money and really like show up for people. And then it's like, oh, all of a sudden these opportunities are showing up. Hmm, interesting. Like I didn't go to, I barely got through high school. I didn't go to college. I didn't go Same. to a trade school. <laughs> I didn't have a clear path until I was, 24 years old, had multiple businesses that failed, um, but just started getting the wheels turning in the right direction to where it's like, okay, now when I was having a conversation with somebody, they would say the things I'm like, oh, that's, that's a key that I needed to hear. I'm paying attention now. That person led me to that person, to that book, to that podcast, to that yeah, mentorship, yeah. to now Miami for the first time. You know, it's like all these things were just kind of the next thing that if you really start to pay attention like the world is going to keep teaching you the same lessons over and over and over again until you learn your lesson, you make a different decision. And doing something over and over and over again, expecting different results is a definition of insanity. We've heard this, but yet we still stay in that yo-yo effect and want and expect something different. It's yeah. like, no, it's those little two millimeter shifts that you do every day that eventually add up to actually make real change in your life. Absolutely. And it's putting it out there, putting yourself out there. So- I mean, you've had a, an amazing story of like coming up and staying like committed to your passion, staying committed to your mission. And it shows up because here you are, what, 20, I'm a terrible at math, but 25 years later <laughs> after you, you know, first got into singing and then started like really going through the process, you're still, I feel like stronger than ever in your career. And it's really inspiring to hear your story. Um, and now you're really starting to get excited about businesses and investment and like 
Can we, can you talk about some of those adventures that you're excited about now? Absolutely. Well, part of the reason I'm excited to be here is I spoke to David Meltzer about, he was like, well, what do you really, you know, what do you want to do? Because he'd asked similar questions about the career. And um, one thing that I'm loving getting into, I've always been this way, but now I'm, I'm trying to kind of figure out a way to frame it where I can build it into speaking is motivating people. So motivational speaking, public speaking, whatever it might be, doing podcasts like this, starting to let people know who I am, how I operate, put that out there is a big part of it. You know, as soon as I started thinking this way, I was asked to give a commencement speech for my old, uh, one of my old high schools. And that was one of the biggest challenges I had all last year. Seriously, I can speak all day long, but then to sit there and write down, it was like an eight minute speech, which doesn't seem like that long, but that's a long period of time to when keep it, people captivated. And you're thinking out every word. I want to have oh, the impact dude. of these kids. And like, and, what do I say? What do I not say? <laughs> but, you know, it was wild. I mean, speaking about, you know, finding mentors, like the more you focus on what you want, I happened to meet Ed Milet that weekend. Yep. Who's one of the biggest motivational speakers in the world out there, you know? And through that, he's like, hey, man, I'm happy to help you out. He coached me through it, you know, was kind enough to jump on. We spoke for like two hours on a Zoom going through that. Did it, was scary, was so rewarding. And then started speaking to Dave Meltzer about, hey, I want to continue to do this. And he was just like, dude, how can I help? And within his network, doing this, getting on podcasts. So, um, and, and just starting to figure out my messaging, how I can encourage people and make it authentic to me and actually mm -hmm. help people. That's where I'm at right now with um, my personal, personal passions that I'm excited to be building and doing right now. And then business-wise, I mean, I've been just reading, I love reading motivational books, but I also love reading books about finance. Anything that I didn't get to study thoroughly in school, partially mm -hmm. because stopped going to school at a pretty young age to Same. do what I do, yeah, yeah. is exciting to me. It's invigorating to learn more and more about it. And so many of my friends still at my age, you know, in their 30s, aren't thinking about investing because it's so easy to focus on making money. And that's mm -hmm. the exciting part. And it's yep. not sexy to think about putting a bunch of stuff into an index fund that you don't touch for 30 years. But then when you go back and do the math, and you look at the last 120 years of knowledge we have about the stock market, and we averaged almost 12% a year, year over year. Now you have 40% dips pretty frequently every seven years or so with the recession. But anyways, mm -hmm. you look at it as a whole, and you're like, holy shit, if I put in 30 grand here, you know, 35 years later, that's worth a million dollars. What if I put in a million here? Yeah. It's worth a lot more than that. You mm -hmm. know, and it's a really, to me, that's where I'm at in terms of investing. I've done well in real estate. Um, I still have some rental properties, but very interested in potentially getting into short-term stuff. Which you know? we talked about before the show, which I'm yeah. more than happy to help you out with as far as- Really intrigued because yeah. I, I don't know if I say this, get in trouble to say, I don't like having tenants because I've always been the youngest person in that relationship who mm -hmm. like people, houses I've rented out. Yep. And yet I am babysitting adults. Yep. It's amazing it's how careless, how rude and how disrespectful tenants can be with a property. And like, I've learned to let go of like some of the emotional attachment to the property. In my first house, I was like, my baby, I worked so hard, so yep. hard to be able to afford this and buy it. Now you're going to just put a hole in the wall and you're just like, I don't know, things that would drive me crazy. I feel you. But it's still exciting for me now to start thinking about how do I maintain my portfolio of real estate without necessarily having to do long-term rentals. Mm -hmm. And that's why a short-term rental with a management company and other ways of doing it is, is a little bit more exciting to me. It's very lucrative. And the thing about short-term rentals is like your house is better taken care of because a long time, the longer people live in it, you know, they put a little hole in the wall and they kind of cover it up or Don't. it's not getting deep clean every other day. They got their dogs living in there. Like all these things start to happen where your property actually starts to deteriorate. Dude, I had to pay $60,000 on my house in the hills and I sold it a few years ago 
simply because people let water pile up on the balconies and I wasn't there to check that out. Mm -hmm. So the internal water damage that I have when I sold it cost $60,000 to fix, which was an entirely preventable situation if yep. people were there more frequently checking on the property. 100%. And just with, you know, uh, the amount of money you can get from Airbnb. And Airbnb is just like any other platform. It's like, it's just like search engine optimization. It's just like getting a top seller on, on you know, Amazon or Walmart stores or wherever you're selling product. It's all the same thing. It's a platform and you can learn how to optimize those platforms, which we teach at Abundance.io so that your house can outperform other houses in the market. And then instead of getting, you know, if your mortgage is, let's say four grand a month, instead mm -hmm. of getting paid 4,500 a month, you can start making seven grand a month, eight grand a month. Yeah. It's like that's outperforming any other real estate portfolio. That's outperforming sure. long-term rentals. That's outperforming, outperforming the stock market. And there's so many ways to be creative about that to where, you know, people listening in are like, well, how do I get into Airbnb if I don't have 20% down? I can't buy a big house in the hills. It's like, well, you can actually start going to people that own property that don't know anything about Airbnb, that are afraid about the parties and how Airbnb destroys your house and actually yeah, yeah. give them the real knowledge about what actually happens statistically with homes that are on Airbnb. And you can put in these different layers of, well, we put in sound meters and if it goes above certain decibel, that's in your house rules that get kicked out, no refund, no parties. You know, there's like, Right. Smarter ways to be clever about outperforming people on Airbnb. And that's that's just one example. And I'm more than happy for any of you guys that want to learn more about that, go to abundance.io and we'll we'll talk more about it after this. Um, but it's just getting smart about that. And that's the whole reason behind abundance.io is to bring on people that are doing really amazing things in the world, giving insight to help people shorten those gaps whether it's that mental abundantly they need to make, it's that financial, that physical, whatever yeah. it is. Um, and yeah, just continuing to do that because there's really creative ways, especially in this next cycle we're going to be experiencing in real estate. It's like cycle we're going through. There's going to be a lot of opportunity. People are really scared. Please don't read the headlines and all the scary stuff that all the news articles put out because mm -hmm. it's all clickbait. They're just looking at views so they can sell advertisement. Yeah. Anytime that there's blood in the streets, when there's a recession, there's massive opportunity. Warren Buffett always says when there's blood in the streets, buy. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, the Grant, Grant Cardone made a ton of money in 2008, 2009 and continues to. He's really excited about this. So a lot of people that really understand real estate and really understand investment are really yeah. excited about this next cycle. And we're going to keep bringing some of these people on here to talk about it. Absolutely. Um, but so how can we support you? You know, moving forward, you have so many amazing things going on. You guys are going on tour with the band. Right, coming up this year yeah. in, in the spring. That's going to be really exciting. Where are you guys going on tour? So we're going uh, South America. We're going to be playing just a short run, six shows, end of February into March. And then we're doing an entire summer tour again. We're going to be playing somewhere between 35, 40 shows across the U.S., which we just did this past summer. It was phenomenal. We sold out pretty much every show wow. and found that we had a lot of fans who didn't even know we were back together, didn't even know we were playing. And so they didn't come see the show or by the time they found out they couldn't get tickets. So we're uh, going back out into a lot of new markets and some of the other big markets. And we just want every fan who's a big time rush fan to be able to get a seat, come see us play. And we, we pride ourselves in putting on one hell of a show and we're already developing, uh, you know, months and months in advance, already developing the next year's look and stage and lights and set list and going to be exciting. Going to be real exciting. That is so fantastic. And I'll make sure when you guys come through LA, I'll make sure I'm there. I definitely want to get out and support you Absolutely. guys. Absolutely. Yeah. I remember when I was a kid seeing you guys all over the place with Nick Loney and playing and everything. And then to see you come back and be bigger than ever and have control of your guys's destiny and have control of the business around that since you've yeah. taken what you've learned and are really applying that. That's got to be a really empowering, empowerful 
thing to be feeling now saying like, guys, now we're calling the shots. It's, oh, yeah. It's got to be a pretty good and feeling. No better way to learn the business than to <laughs> be at the helm of all verticals of a business at this scale. And it's been remarkable. And we have a phenomenal team. And the guys truly, you know, we're like brothers. A lot of bands, you hear horror stories. Mm -hmm. And for the most part, we just have a lot of fun together. You know, we really, we bicker like brothers. You know, yeah. we have those moments and those fights, but we really, that's why we're doing this again. Mm -hmm. It's fun for us. It's fun for the fans, just like they needed us to come back, especially after years of quarantine and craziness. We needed it too, being yeah. back in front of an audience and playing and actually getting into like, see the fans and sing with them. We go into the audience. We'll always do that. So yeah, that's really exciting. Um, then, you know, Stars Fell Again is my movie. Whenever this is airing, it came out February 3rd or it's coming out came out February 3rd because yep. it's airing after February 6th. <laughs> there we go. So that's exciting. That's out. And uh, working on a couple other film and TV projects right now too. Sweet. Yeah. And so for people to follow up with you, to reach out about your speaking engagements, to book you, to check out when all your shows are coming out, like where's the best place for them to go and follow? Uh, to check out shows and regular content and all that, just at James Maslow everywhere from Instagram, TikTok, Twitter, Facebook. Uh, if you want to book me for something, my email's listed on all of those, but go, it's team at jamesmaslow.com. Very simple. Don't DM me because I will not see it. So if you want to uh, book me for anything, whether it's social media, project collaboration, sponsorship, which a lot of those come in. I don't do many of them, but every once in a while, there's a really cool organic one that lines up. Or better yet, for speaking. If you want me to go and encourage young adults, that's the kind of the demographic I'm excited about. People when you say are, young adults, what age group are we talking about exactly? I think we're talking about, you know, end of high school when you start to look at what the rest of your life might look like and get serious about it all the way through college, all the way up through young 30s. You know, to me, that's young adults, that span of your 20s, figuring out who you are, what interests you, what you want to do. Um, you know, I think when I get older, I'll speak to an older audience too. I'm 32. And it doesn't mean that I can't encourage people of all ages. And I love that. Mm -hmm. But I really like to speak to what I know authentically. For and sure. I've been through these years pretty recently. Yeah, it's still yeah. fresh. Like you're still <laughs> exactly. in it. Exactly. And I'm still very much in it. And I'm more... I am more engaged, more excited about everything I'm doing in this industry than I've ever been. And that was one of the perks of taking a few years off and exploring and traveling. And even frankly, having my years of partying and doing that stuff to realize that that isn't what I want to do. Right. You know, I've had quite a few unique experiences and I love sharing them. I love learning about other people's paths and just offering any insight I possibly can to help them believe in themselves and keep moving forward. And that's what so many you know, young people need to hear is people that have been through it. They're still fresh in it and have done the amazing things that you've accomplished at such a young age. You're only what, 32 now? Yeah. Like people and young kids really need good, positive mentors because the thing is with social media is a lot of people look up to a lot of these big artists and actors that are like just all about the drugs and the partying and the money and all this stuff that is not going to keep you fulfilled at the end of the day. It's not going to create abundance. You've seen a lot of those big actors and rappers, like they're bankrupt now. Like yeah. they're, they're in rehab now. Mm -hmm. That's not what you guys want. It's, it's no. really focused on like those things that are going to be sustainable. For How sure. can I get around the right people? And I love that you are focusing on that now in this chapter of your life of going out there and sharing your insight, sharing your knowledge, sharing your story so that you can really be a positive influence on the youth, especially in the entertainment industry. Absolutely. And, you know, to kind of round that all out, I truly feel like this is really just chapter two for me. Yeah. I have so much to accomplish. I have mm -hmm. so much to do. And I think if I was 21 and somebody said like, oh, you're really going to be figuring it out at 31, I'd think, no, I'm going to be a failure if I don't figure it out by 22, by 23. Hmm. That's bullshit. You can reinvent yourself. You can start something new. You can create a new business at any stage in your life. 
So it's exciting for me to be able to show people that now I'm doing things bigger and better than I ever did before. That's pretty cool then, but why not continue to grow it all? Grow who you are, grow your business, grow your abundance. And mm -hmm. that's an exciting thing to be doing it. And I want to, you know, encourage people to do it simultaneously. And there's probably a lot of people out there, you know, that I'm going to meet doing things like this. Like we're going to help each other. Like For that's sure. really cool. It's a fun way to look at the world. Like let's just keep giving, going, encouraging, and uh, it's going to all come back to you at the same time while you're doing it. It's a yeah. fun way to look at it. It really is. And you never know what'll show up, especially yeah. because when I was a kid, I always just wanted to help people, but I didn't know what that looked like. I didn't know I was going to be running a giant coaching global brand and be doing this podcast with you and meeting with David Melchers of the world and some of these big people. Like that's not what I saw. I just knew in my heart, I want to help people and be able to hang out with amazing people. And then it started to, you know, manifest and just like staying true to that. It happened for me later in my 20s. It didn't happen for me at 17, but I knew I was getting closer. And that's like the whole like magical part about life is like there is no finish line. People think they're like, oh, I'm just going to make it. It's like, no, you never just make it. No. You either keep going or you stop. Like, yeah, or you die. <laughs> right. Really? It's like people who retire, they die. Yeah. Now, don't get me wrong. Like I like to do what I'm doing from, I don't know, an island or a yacht more uh, months out of the year when I'm older. Great. Well, it doesn't mean I'm going to stop doing it. Like right. the idea of just retirement, no, it's never going to be in the cards for me. It's just I want to live as comfortable of a life as I can. And I want to be able to choose what I want to do, when I want to do it, how long I want to do it. Like that's what real success is. Fantastic. Yeah. Working you, towards it. You, you, you found your purpose. And, you know, some people that will retire and then they don't have anything else to look forward to. Like the kids go away. It's like you start to see people age very, very quickly because they no yeah. longer have purpose. And so you see some of these people in their 60s or 70s or 80s and people are like, why don't you just why don't you just quit? Like you got enough money, you got enough success. Why don't you just quit? And it's like, that's, I've been programmed to operate this way for so yeah. long. That is me. This is what makes me happy. This is why I get out of bed. Yeah. Cause I actually genuinely love what I'm doing. It's part of my purpose. You have that drive. I think more so than ever. I can just feel your energy when you start talking about the things you are fired up and it's really inspiring. And I hope everybody listening in will go check you out on your Instagram handle, go book you to speak. You have a lot of amazing things to share with the world. And thank you so much for being here. My man, thank you so much. I appreciate it. This is a lot of fun. Yeah, it was Definitely great. to do it again sometime. Oh, we will, definitely. So guys, if you're listening to Abundance.io, go there. We have our test to figure out what type of entrepreneur, what type of business owner um, you are. We have these amazing uh, doctors from Harvard put that together for us. So it's very spot on. And then you get to speak with our advising team and figure out what's right for you. We wanna help you create abundance mentally, physically, financially, we're going to do it here and continue to have amazing people on the podcast. So thank you guys for tuning in. And James, again, man, thank you so much for being oh, here. That was so much fun. My absolute pleasure. Thank you. Yep. Bye, guys.